How's everybody doing? <laughs> I'm gonna blow these speakers and Jason's gonna have a big smile when he gets back. All right. Well, I'm glad that everyone could be here tonight. Uh, if you're new here, we want you to feel welcome. Um, I've had a chance to meet a couple of you. I met Kenny over there, but I gotta tell you, if I forgot your name by next week, don't be offended because I'm just horrible with names. <laughs> I'm one of those guys that you need those little cards that you write on your shirt that say, hello, my name is Dustin on it. That would kind of help me out a lot, but I don't know. Um, we want your time to here to be a positive experience. We want you to feel at home, but more importantly, we want you to encounter God and kind of understand what gravity is all about. So how many here have been with us for at least a month? A couple of you? All right. Over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about some things, or a couple months, we've been talking about some things that are really, really close to the heart of God, right? We've talked about mercy, and we've talked about how mercy, showing mercy to others, helps us to understand God's mercy and grace for us, right? And, and before that, we talked about forgiveness, and we learned that, that when we forgive other people, when we do that, it helps us show the heart of God to those other people. Forgiveness. You see, it helps us build that relationship with other people, and God is glorified through that. And we've talked about sharing, sharing our story with other people. That's something that we've held in, in very high regard since, since we started this thing. In fact, if you've been on our website, or if you've been here on a Saturday, you'll see that we film a lot of these stories from people. And we found that that's a really, really great way for us to just show where we've been and what we've been through and what we've done and what God's done for us. Um, even last week, we talked about secrets. We talked about how when we reveal that which has been hidden for maybe years, it completely frees us from that bondage and, and that shame or whatever it is that, that held us back, right? Well, tonight we're going to go down that road a little bit more, kind of on the, on the theme, same theme, rather, um, it's, it's about getting real with God, right? And what, what is getting real with God? We, we've talked about how, how getting real with God is not just showing up on a Saturday night. Or if you're not from this church, not, not just being there on, on Sunday. You see, getting real with God is more than, than just knowing the verses, knowing the songs, right? Getting real with God is about relationship. It's about transparency. And we've learned about how having a transparent relationship this, this thing that we call a transparent relationship means it's, I, when I'm here in this church, I'm the same when I go outside. W what happens to me here, the things I learn, the things that I understand, when I'm here, I take to work with me. I, I take it to school with me. I take it to other places, right? Because we're transparent. And in that transparency, God begins to use us in this amazing, amazing way. Because it's getting real with him. So tonight, we're going to talk about journey. We're going to talk about a journey. We're on a journey, right? What comes to mind when you guys hear the word journey? Anybody? If, if somebody said an 80s rock band, you've totally just dated yourself. Bad. See, there's people in the room that are kind of young and have no idea what you're talking about. Some of y'all have that 1975 tour shirt still. I was three years old at the time, by the way, just to date myself. Journey. A journey, if you think literally, it could be a long trip. It could be a road trip or vacation. A journey. You're moving, right? 
It could be motion. You're moving from one point to another, from point A to point B, from here to there. I was here, and now I'm there. It's a journey. Some people think, think literally like that. But that, that's not always the case with everybody. You see, a journey, when, when you say the word journey, it, it implies a little bit more, right? We don't interchange the word journey for trip. We don't say that I took a journey to the Bay Area to get clam chowder. It's like, it, it doesn't, just doesn't sound right. I guess if you were like an English major or hyper-contemplative, you would, you would say that you went to journey like all the time or grocery store journey or whatever it might be. But that's not how we talk. See, a journey implies that there's more to it. It implies that there's learning maybe. You're moving and there's some learning. Maybe it's not learning. Maybe it's, maybe it's a time down a difficult time. See, a journey for you could be a road marked with suffering. It could be a road that that you've had trials and, and you've learned some things. See, a journey for some people is a difficult time. When you hear the word journey, you think, I went on a journey. And your journey could be a lot of things. A journey could be sickness. It could be a time that you were in the hospital and, and you were caring for a loved one. It could be a bout of cancer, right? It could be this time where you're, you're getting medicine and you didn't know what was going to happen. Is that popping me? It could, be, it could be a financial situation. See, your journey could be a time where you are making decisions. Am I going to pay the bills this week? Am I buying food for my kids? Or am I paying my rent? That could be your journey. And for some people in this room, your journey has brought you behind the, the walls of a prison, the, the, a jail cell. See, we've all had this journey. And one thing of gravity is we think that your journey has brought you here tonight. Pastor Jason, it's funny calling him Pastor Jason when we were little kids, but... Jason coined this term. He calls it the gravity of God. And you've probably heard him say that. When we say the gravity of God, what we're talking about is how God draws people to us. He draws here. Because there's people out there that are hurting and they need his love, right? And so you may not know why you're here tonight. Well, we, that might be it. We call it the gravity of God. Uh, in December, I'm going to throw my daughter under the bus. Why don't you raise your hand, Rachel? That's my daughter, Rachel. Rachel is 16 years old in April. Last December, Rachel decided to abandon her family. She, she wanted to take this journey. Well, she's a part of the Navy Sea Cadets, right? And she wanted to go to this training camp in San Luis Obispo. And it was a week long, right in the middle of Christmas break. You guys know I'm clumsy yet? Right in the middle of Christmas break, Rachel decides to, to go to this training camp. And, and at this camp, the instructors were teaching these kids how to navigate mountainous terrain. They show them a map, they show them a mountain, and they give them a compass. And they, and they teach them for a week. They teach them, you go, here's how you find this place on the map. You, you know, you do this with your compass, and you, you, know, you check the way. I don't know how they did it. But they had to find these points on a map. Now, I have to preface this a little bit and tell you about my daughter, Rachel is afraid of the dark. Okay, <laughs> when Trisha and I come home, every light in the house is on, the TV's playing, and the radio's on, and we go in the living room, and she's hiding under a blanket. And she's like, and this is in the daytime, it's, it's awful. But <laughs> Rachel is afraid of the dark. So uh, when we pick her up from this camp, besides looking starving and sucked up, she had this look of relief on her face. And I thought she was just glad to see me, but that wasn't the case. 
apparently, they had to find, the, the final exam for this thing was, okay, kids, you have to find these five points on the map, and we're going to do it at dark. So, with her background about being afraid of the dark, they gave her her positions, right? And she, and she started to tell us this tale of, of being on this mountainside and walking in the dark, and the, and the noises she was hearing in the, in the woods and the forest, and, and all these things that she had to traverse, these creeks and rivers and barbed wire. She had to go through pastures of animals, and we're from the city, and I think she's afraid of cows. And, but, and she says, Dad, I was, I was on this path to find this place, and there were bones everywhere. Everywhere I looked, there were piles of bones. And Ray was convinced that some great predator out there had just killed this thing and eaten it. And I'm, I'm sure she thought the same exact thing was going to happen to her. She was just, like, horrified. But everywhere she looked, there was these bones, you know. She talked about this frustration about when she arrived, she had the map open, and she got to this place where her, her marker was supposed to be, and, and it wasn't there. It was gone. Looking under rocks and, and, and through the, the bushes, and it wasn't there. She looked at her calculations and had to redo it over and over, and it, it was gone. Where is it? Where is it, Dad? It's not there. So she had to, had to do it over. And there was a guy there that said, Rachel, you have what it takes to do it. You can do this. And, and he inspired her, and she went out. And she's really proud to say she found all five points. And I think what was even more proud was that like, the boys couldn't even do it, or some of the boys couldn't. So, Anyway, you had to talk to her about it. It was, it was a learning thing for her. It was pretty fun, but it was a journey, right? It was a journey. You see, we've all been on a journey. We have unique stories to tell from our journey. And in fact, in this very room, I know some of you, you guys have had a journey. There's stories here of tragedy and sadness and despair that if someone were to sit with you and you were to talk about it, they might run out of tears before you finish talking. I've heard it. I've seen it on the screen. And, and when I think about it, the, the one word I could think of is just devastating to hear some of the stuff everybody's been through. Tonight, you might still be on a journey. You might be feeling the weight of it right now as we speak. You feel it every day, every moment. When you wake up, when you go to bed, sometimes it follows you around, right? Last week, if you were here, you may have saw Dave on the big screen, and he shared some of his journey with us. There's one thing about when I was watching him that I was just completely blown away by. Dave said, it's not over by a long shot. He said, it's not over by a long shot. And I'll tell you why those words are so important and why he has that, that in him. Because there was a time where he thought it was done, it was over with. I think he said, I, can't, I, I thought my life was over with. But that's not how it ended up. You see, God had a plan for Dave. Something miraculous happened. God breathed life into Dave, and it changed him from the inside out. And I just find that amazing. Dave, thank you for sharing that with us, by the way. It takes a lot of courage to do that. There's a story in the Bible I want to tell you about. Dave went through this change, and, and there's a story I want to tell you about. It's about this amazing, miraculous change. When my brother and I were young kids, do you guys know my brother Matt? He's done, he's, I call him my little brother, but he's like 6'3", I think. He's much taller than me. My mom bought us these comic book Bibles, and they were kind of cool because it was a Bible, but it was a comic book, and so we would like read them until the covers fell off. But There's a story about this guy named Ezekiel. Have you guys heard of Ezekiel? Ezekiel was an Old Testament prophet. A lot of people thought Ezekiel was crazy. And if you were to read Ezekiel and you, and you saw some of the stuff he was talking about, 
it's kind of nuts. But he's got this story, this, this amazing story, and it's kind of it's like Ebenezer Scrooge. Is it a Christmas carol? Christmas story? Christmas carol? Ebenezer, the ghost of Christmas past, picks up Ebenezer, takes him on this journey, and shows him all the stuff he screwed up on, all the things wrong with his life, and he had this change and came back. Well, Ezekiel, this is thousands of years before that, had the same kind of thing. If you guys have your Bible, can you turn to Ezekiel 37 with me? The story is called The Valley of Dry Bones, and I want to read it with you. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me around the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere, across the ground, and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? So God grabs Ezekiel. He takes him to this desert, just covered with bones. And just imagine that for a minute. What do, what do bones represent? To us, it's like a life that used to be. It's death. These bones were dried out. And it must have been one of those moments where it's like, you don't know the right answer. It's like, well, God, I, you know, only you know. And in his head, he's probably thinking, no, I don't think so. So he goes on and says, oh, Lord, only you know the answer to that. And then he said to me, God talking to Ezekiel, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath in you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. You will know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel speaks this message, and he says, Just as he told me, suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. The skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. They're a shell, right? Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. Ezekiel speaks this message. He says, he speaks the message as he commanded me. And breath came into their bodies. They came to life and stood up on their feet. A great army. So God shows Ezekiel this miraculous thing where he's taking something that was dead, completely written off, and he brings it back. Not just back, but like army back. This huge, great army. I don't have it up here, but he goes on to tell Ezekiel, rather. I'm going to just read it to you. This is what the sovereign lords, he's saying this to, this is uh, Israel. He's going to bring them back to the land of Israel. When this happens, you will know that I'm the Lord. So he's saying, in other words, that these bones represent my people. These dry, dead bones are you, me. Because there's parts of our lives that we have completely written off that might be dead, right? You see, God, you all might not know this, but he's kind of got this side thing going on. He's in the business of remodeling. He's this master carpenter. And what he can do is he can take this just damaged, destroyed wood pile and make a palace out of it. You see, he can recycle things that are just gone. Things that we, like this bottle, I'm going to throw it away when I'm done. Rachel's going to throw a fit because she collects them. But he could take anything, us, when we're dead inside, 
and he could just fix it. It's just amazing. You see, there's people here that are a living testament. In fact, your very existence speaks volumes of the restoring love of Jesus Christ, right? And when I look around, I don't just see the scars from a used up life. I don't see the dead and tattered remains. I see a life that has been transformed. Many of you here tonight. I mean, there's some of you that, that at one point saw no hope. You saw surrounded by darkness, surrounded by despair, kind of like Dave felt. And then God came in and changed you and he did it huge. Jesus came in and turned things around. He flipped everything upside down, took everything out, and, and things are better, right? That's the kind of God we serve. And that's who we want to introduce you to. If you're here tonight, that, that you don't know what I'm talking about. That, that's why we're here. Because we want to introduce you to this God that we love and that has done just so much for us. So if, if you leave here tonight and there's only one thing that you take away, I want it to be this. Because this is really important. If you go to Matthew 28, 20. Jesus has already died, came back from the grave, and he's visiting some of his disciples. He made many appearances after he was resurrected, right? And he's about to go back and be with the Father, and he says, Matthew 28, 20, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And what does that mean to you and I tonight? You see, when he tells me he's with me always, that means he's with me when I'm hurting, He's with me when I'm, when I'm sad. He's with me when, when I wake up and I just can't face the day. And he's with me when the entire world lets me down. See, God's word says it. He says it straight to us. He's with you and I. You know, our, our God, he doesn't work part-time. He doesn't just clock out at the end of the day. When I'm done with work, you know, we have this time clock and we clock out and we're done. It's like 24 hours with him. And you can count on him and rely on him all the time. Because he's alive in us. He's restored us. And he wants to fix those areas of your life that nothing else can fix. If you have an addiction, he wants to take that addiction and transform it into a testimony of absolute, resolute, what's the word? Restoration. (laughs) Sorry. Like a lot of people in this building, though. You know, God wants to bring a fullness to our relationships, our marriages that, we, that we've given up on. God's love, it knows no bounds. We can't roll out God's love and measure it because we, we don't have a measuring tape that would, that would do it. We can't contain it. It's so hard to understand. It's endless. You see, sometimes on our journey, we do these things. We build these compartments in our life these boxes, these dividers. And what they do is they fracture our identity, who we are, into these tiny, little, neat, manageable components. Maybe it gives us a a measure of control, but we guard them closely under lock and key. You see, we're one person when we're here. We're one person when we're at work. When we're with our family, we're this person. But you see, we lose ourselves in the process. And even deeper into these compartments, there's things that we hide. We hide anger. We hide shame, fear, bitterness, resentment, deep in those places. And what we talk about when we talk about a transparent faith is coming out of those compartments, moving on, right? You see, we become this shattered being, this broken person that's loosely held together, you know, by like fake smiles. Or some of us, sometimes we become this angry, ticking time bomb 
The frustration of jumping from compartment to compartment, from box to box. Who am I today? Can I let this person in my life? Can I trust them? Do they get a key? We become this person that just loses all managing, all control. And it's frustrating. And we get to this point where we don't know what to do. We end up making a real, real mess of things, right? Our journey takes us on this trip, and it just makes a huge mess of things. So what, what, is it, what now? What does it take? What do we do? How do we get out? I'm in this place, and I'm stuck. I can't get out. I thought I knew where I was going, but I was wrong. It didn't work out for me. How do I deal with this? What do I do? Some of you can help each other out with the details. I'm not going to stand up here and act like I know every detail of how God's going to fix your life, right? Only he knows that. But it does start somewhere. It starts by not only saying, but understanding that you have to be to the point where you say, I'm ready. I'm ready. You see, this journey we're on, it's going to take a toll. And eventually, you've got to be the point where you say, I'm ready. That might not be tonight, that might not be tomorrow, but at some point, you have to be ready to give God the keys to your compartments, hand over the map, hand over the compass, and say, look, just wreak havoc on my life, God, because I have screwed it up. Does that make sense? In a couple minutes, we're going to take communion. The new divide is going to come back up. If you're new here, that's something that we do every week. Every week, we take communion. And what, what it is to us, what we believe it is, is a time where, you know, in the Bible it says to do this in remembrance of me. What I want you to do tonight, before we take communion, I want you just to sit and examine your heart for a minute. Examine where you're at. And if you're ready, there's people here that want to pray with you. We care about you, and we want to introduce you to God. Let's pray. Father, tonight, we thank you for your word. We thank you for worship, God, and we thank you for each other. Father, we thank you so much for your saving grace and how you gave it all for us, God. How it cost you everything. And you did it anyway, God. So that we may know you, Father, and have a fullness, a relationship with you. One without dividers, God, one without compartments, one that we could just look at you, God, and love you and let you just work in our lives. We praise you for that, Jesus, and we take this communion and ask that you bless it, Father. In your holy name I pray, amen.